arrange my Bible to fall open to the book of Galatians automatically. Now it's going to need to be retrained for the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And just by way of introduction, the book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he, in the Gospel of Luke, told us about Jesus' life and ministry. In the book of Acts, he is teaching us about the continuing ministry of Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit um, as he worked in in his apostles in spreading the church over that first generation. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all, the, with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his, after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority. I'm going to continue into verse 8. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Almighty God, we now ask that uh, you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, would be our teacher. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts that we may see and receive and obey your holy word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. You can see that I've got a little sun. Um, My parents tell me I'm about one-eighth Creek Indian, so that helps enhance when I get a little sunburn or, or a little sun on my face. But uh, I spent the day outside, obviously. I spent the day cutting the grass. I got up yesterday morning. um, I actually washed my push mower. I cleaned the carburetor. I took the the blades uh, off of my uh, push mower, and I sharpened them razor sharp. Cleaned the yard. I got ready to cut the grass. I didn't have any gasoline. Well, I figured the blades were so sharp that if I got behind my push mower and ran behind it, that it would be able to actually cut the grass um, if I would just push hard enough. And so I tried to sprint as I pushed the mower. I went over the lawn. I lost track. I think it was about seven or eight times. By the time I finished, from the street... It looked pretty good. In fact, if you're driving by about 20 miles per hour or so, you might think it looked freshly cut. 
actually, I don't think the blades very, did very much. Uh, it was the tires in my feet that just beat down the grass. They were bent down. I'm sure after the morning sun um, hits the dew-soaked ground, those bent blades will begin to straighten back up, and and um, my yard will not look like I left it this morning uh, when I came here to church. But that's all right. My neighbor saw me out there pushing the mower. They saw all the effort, and so uh, and it was great exercise. I might go home this uh, afternoon and uh, leave the gasoline out of my mower and cut the grass again. Now I know you don't believe me. No one would be that ignorant to try and cut the grass without any power in the mower. I hope that you don't believe me (laughs) that I would be that ignorant. Um, The reason I tell you this story is that the church often tries to carry out its mission without the power that is available to it, that God has made available to it. How often does the church try to carry out its mission to make disciples without the power of the Holy Spirit? We sharpen our our ministry programs to a razor's edge. We implement our plans with great precision and effort. When things aren't going as well as we hope, we redouble our efforts. But what have we done if we go about our business without the almighty power of the Holy Spirit sanctifying and empowering our service in Jesus' name? We've been legalistic. We have... um, We've actually um, tried to do an end run around God's Spirit. And this, it's a great temptation to do this. Have you ever heard of dead orthodoxy? Dead orthodoxy is a church that's going through the motions, doing the right things, but without the power. Just like grass that is dry and brittle, can perk back up after a nice strong rain if it doesn't get that water and it goes past a certain point it dies and no amount of rain can bring it back and what ends up happening something green grows in its place but it's weeds and not grass No amount of effort will substitute for the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Billy uh, did a great job on the uh, children's sermon. I was thinking, if she doesn't hush, she's going to steal all my thunder. (laughs) But I was thinking about something as he was... uh, as he was using the flashlight, a, a picture went through my mind that, that I had not thought of uh, for this sermon. And that is, I was thinking of the moon. And the, all the light that the moon gives, you know, at night. It is our chief source of light outside of an electric switch at night. But yet, how much light does the, power, does the moon have in and of itself? Absolutely none. All the light of the moon is simply reflective from the sun. 
How much light do we have in and of ourselves? Absolutely none. God the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that Christ-like character, who gives us that power in our inner being to know God, to obey Him. I shouldn't do this, especially on on uh, Communion Sunday. Billy, you said it's Billy's fault if we go over. I was. Uh, it's always the youth pastor's fault. Uh, I learned that early on in the ministry. Um, I just Philippians chapter two. Therefore, my beloved brothers, um, as you. Oh, where is it? Therefore, my beloved brothers, as as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That is your responsibility. Verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure, but it is God who is working in you. Uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 2 verse 10 uh, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which He prepared in advance for us to do. The good works that we do, God prepared in advance for us to do them. Um, uh, I was thinking of, of Ephesians uh, chapter chapter 1 he says in Paul's prayer for this reason I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you uh, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is his immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great mind that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm or heavenly places far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every name uh, that can be named and he goes on and on and he says you can't know these things as glorious as they are and as badly as God wants you to know them you can't know them in and of yourselves he has to pray that God would enlighten them in these things in other words that God's spirit would would be at work in them we have no light we have no power in and of ourselves We need the Holy Spirit. I am not talking here about some higher life movement or about some Pentecostal second blessing. I'm not talking about that at all. As we move through the book of Acts, as we move through Acts chapter 2 and 3, we can talk more about these things. But I am talking about, uh, as you see through the book of Acts, subsequent to Pentecost, the church being filled with the Holy Spirit, individuals, Stephen and others, Philip being filled with the Holy Spirit. And there there are two chief reasons why God would withhold His Spirit and the the life-giving power of His Spirit from His people. 
One is prayerlessness. God loves it when we depend upon Him. And He will withhold His Spirit from us. The power and the work of his, uh, and the, the, the working of His Spirit in our lives to cause us to return to Him uh, on our knees. And secondly, unrepentant sin. God loves us so much that He refuses to bless us while we are living in sin. Otherwise, we would think, well, I can live in sin and I can be blessed by God and so I'll continue living in sin and receiving the blessings of God, but it is His love for us that causes Him uh, him to withhold His Spirit. Um, I'll say more about that a little later. As we are coming to the book of Acts, opening it for the uh, first time in what will be a long series through the book of Acts, the book of Acts tells us an amazing story. It is a true story of how only in one generation, in about 30 years from the time Jesus Christ died, was resurrected, and uh, ascended into heaven up until the uh, just before uh, the Apostle Paul um, was martyred in um, the mid-60s A.D., just in that 30 years, the people of God turned the world upside down. The book of Acts is going to tell us how they did it, but really what it's going to tell us is that they did not do it that it was the Holy Spirit working out the plan of Jesus, implementing the kingdom of God, extending His kingdom uh, throughout the then known world. And so the first point that I want to look at this morning is King Jesus is establishing His kingdom here on earth. Uh, Look at verse 3 in particular. Uh, it says he presented himself Jesus presented himself alive to them that being the apostles after his suffering uh, by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God I'm sorry I I got ahead of myself verses 1 and 2 is what I want to look at Uh, in the first book of Theophilus I began to deal with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given the command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen he began his work in his birth in his death in his resurrection Jesus continues his work He he is up in heaven But he continues his work through the Holy Spirit. We call the book the book the book of Acts the book of the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, that's how it's entitled in my in my Bible, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. More to the point, it is the continuing work of Jesus through the power of His Holy Spirit as He worked in the lives of the of the apostles, establishing the foundation uh, for His church and establishing his kingdom here in the world. Jesus is continuing his work. He is continuing his work at Westminster Presbyterian Church through his people, through the power of his Spirit at work in his people. 
He's establishing his kingdom here on earth, and it will be consummated in heaven. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this kingdom is because this was the subject that Jesus taught on, verse 3. For 40 days during his resurrection and his ascension, for 40 days he was with the apostles. And he was teaching them, you see in verse 3, speaking about the kingdom of God. I was going to say a lot about the kingdom and the church, the difference and the how they are different from each other, how they are related. Suffice it to say that the kingdom of Christ is the rule of Christ. If you are at your workplace and you are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are doing your work for the glory of God, if you are living as a witness um, of Jesus Christ, testifying to His birth, death, resurrection, to Him being the only Savior, you are extending the kingdom of God in your workplace. When you go home and your home is uh, under the rule of Christ, you are uh, extending the kingdom of God in your home. And so the kingdom... The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, is everywhere that Jesus is ruling and reigning. Um, The church is the localized, organized body of Christ. So if you want to do it in terms of a Venn diagram, um, everywhere the church is, there's the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God this morning. We are also uh, part of the bo- we are in the body of Christ. We're acting as a church. We're worshiping God as the church. But the church is not everywhere that the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God uh, could be a believer who is um, witnessing to someone on the job or, or something like that. And we'll say a lot more about that as we move through the book of Acts. As we uh, continue moving on through uh, the, the outline on the back of your bulletin, and I had in my own notes I misprinted, so I wanted to make sure that I read this right. Uh, for point two, the moving force in the church is the Holy Spirit. And let me just say, as I mentioned this point, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, he is not an impersonal force. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, he, but I say he is the moving force in the church. The church must only move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The church had all the truth uh, that they needed at that moment. Uh, In verse 3, by many convincing proofs, He showed himself to them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. They had the truth. He had equipped them for three years. But yet He's saying, wait. 
He's not saying, wait for me to teach you something else. He's saying, wait until the promised Holy Spirit uh, comes. Wait for Him. What the book of Acts does here, and I think this is helpful, and that we as Presbyterians, especially because we tend to be so so uh, cranial, so um, in, focused on the intellect and on our theology, the book of Acts weds objective truth with subjective power. In other words, uh, just because we have our theology in order, just because we have the truth, doesn't mean that we have everything we need. We need God's Spirit as well. I can illustrate it using myself as a pastor. God has ordained that His Word be proclaimed, be preached by a pastor. I always think you would be much better served by me opening and reading the Bible to you. Because then you get the truth in its um, unreflected form. If you will, I'm a moon simply uh, without much, uh, without any power of my own. And I'd like to give it to you straight. I'd like to read the Sermon on the Mount and you get the pure, unvarnished, unreflected truth. But God says, no, I want you to, I, I want to use uh, human beings flawed um, and, um, and imperfect and I want to communicate my truth to human beings. And so you get preachers who present the truth sometimes without the power of the Holy Spirit and it's truth with harshness. With me sometimes you get truth with timidity or you get truth with pride. But what God wants is truth with power. He wants the Holy Spirit working in the life of His messenger to present His truth so it is being presented um, organically, so that it is being presented uh, in the life as well as by the words. And... I was going to say something. I'm going to back off and simply say, wait until we get to Acts chapter 7. I'll illustrate it then in the life of Stephen. Stephen preached with a power that is not natural to human beings. He preached with the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Scripture notes that he was full of the Holy Spirit. He preached with a power that did not simply arise from himself, but it was reflected from the Son, S-O-N, in his life. It was the Holy Spirit at work in him. And so the church must move, but the church must be certain that she moves in the power of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit is always with the church. We just went through the book of Galatians. If you were in Christ, God is not fickle. 
with his love for you. Uh, He will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't come and go in your life. The book of Revelation tells us that Jesus is always walking in and amongst the lampstands. And I think that is a, a, a way of teaching us that he is always present, always active within the church. And he is always active and present within the life of a believer. But you say, earlier in the sermon you said if you're prayerless or if you're living in unrepentant sin that he's not at at work he is in you he is convicting you but you do lose some of the power uh, he is not working um, as he uh, desires to work Uh, and it is his sovereign choice to back off we do not pull his strings like like a puppeteer but the point I'm driving at is that God's love is not like a daisy. He loves me, He loves me not. He loves me, He loves me not. For those of you who know the language, you know what I'm talking about when, God, when I say God's love is more like a tulip than a daisy. He never leaves us. He doesn't leave a Christian when they sin. He doesn't leave a Christian when they are not praying. But he does not. He does not fill a Christian with his power, with his power, uh, when they are prayerless, or when they are um, living in sin. And so, I need to ask you this morning: Are you? Um, what is the quality of your uh, prayer life? Do you walk in the power of God's Spirit? What is the quality of your prayer life? Do you ask and seek and knock? Or do you only ask in passing? What about your moral life? Are you living with unrepentant sin? And you bring that unrepentant sin wherever you go. And when you come to church, you put on your game face. And then you redouble your efforts to be holy. To make up for your lack of God's power uh, in your life. Those two questions, as we come to the Lord's table, I want to put before you. I want to ask us as a congregation, is the prayer life of our church what it ought to be I will say this I saw the prayer life of our church in the Casas family I saw the the, the prayer life of our church in Warren Casas recovery Um, and they have seen it as well but across the board are we praying as a church who has no light in itself but depends on God alone for our light and life are we praying like um, we need his light and his power here's the acid test 
for our prayer life? Is our evangelism what it should be? You say, well, how does that connect? The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit, if I may put it um, in those terms. Verse 7. They did what it is so tempting to do. Uh, in verse 6, they began looking to their own interest. Okay, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom into Israel? Are we going to now about to rule the earth? Jesus says, that's not the question. It's not for you to know that. But you will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what does He empower them to do? To be His witnesses. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If our evangelism is not what it ought to be, we are not praying as we ought to pray. We are not receiving and experiencing the power of God's Spirit as He has promised to us in the book of Acts. Over these next weeks, months, maybe even years, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at the the norms for how the church should conduct itself. But behind that, at every point, we are going to be seeing God the Holy Spirit at work in the life of His church. Yearn for His Spirit to be at work in you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we have opened up uh, this, the book of Acts, Father, we we yearn for the life, the vitality, the power, the effectiveness, the kingdom-centeredness that we see in the early church to be a, to be evidenced in our own lives, in our own congregation. Father, uh, we lean upon you now, work by your Holy Spirit, where there is prayerlessness. Father, I pray that you would um, you would uh, revive us in prayer. Where there is unrepentant sin, I pray that you would bring repentance. Help us to cling to our Lord Jesus Christ. In His name, we pray. Amen.